0: Hey everyone and welcome back. Today I have a conversation with my friend Kent Pasquale. We get a little bit into the weeds, but it was a fun conversation nonetheless, so I hope you all enjoy. Here it is. Alright, now we are recording once again. Alright, um, we're live. Kent, pick up. We were just talking about in high school you did ap bio you're really good at it Mm -hmm. you kicked ass on all your exams you wanted to be a neurosurgeon Mm -hmm. you went to school you came to northeastern for um bioengineering Mm -hmm. then you're still doing that yes okay and Mm -hmm. then you got involved with the sherman center which for who people who for people who don't know what that is can you elaborate what the sherman center at northeastern is kind of all about and then talk back about what you were just saying with you know what your what your involvement with it is.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like that. this organization that's a happy marriage between engineering and entrepreneurship, and they house uh, Generate, which is a mosaic organization at Northeastern, and that's a student-led product development build studio. So everything is student-led. The clients are students. the The staff are students. The engineers are students. The project leads, the executive director, they're all students, and it's it's pretty awesome.
0: Okay, so I've always wondered something about this. Mm-hmm. A lot of, um. I know this is the case for any research professors at Northeastern, and Mm -hmm. it's the case for a lot of students at a lot of universities. Yeah. If you create something using university resources Mm -hmm. through, what is it, Generate or the Sherman Center, Mm -hmm. does the university own that, or do you maintain everything?
1: So it's kind of a complicated subject because I've talked about this a bunch of times with the professors and Generate themselves. Um, When you hop on board with Generate and you you get accepted as a client, they will not sign an NDA because the engineers that are working there, they want to be able to use uh, your project as part of their portfolio. But um, nothing will really be um, kind of built out in Generate that will uh, kind of get to the IP level of technology. But they will assist you getting to that point, and there's a bunch of different resources at Northeastern that will help you dissociate, dissociate yourselves from Northeastern so that you can have full ownership of it. So Northeastern doesn't
0: claim it as their own automatically by default? They do. Or they do. But you have to you, go
1: out of your way to make sure they don't.
0: Okay. But mm-hmm. it is, you can get it yourself. It just it yeah. takes work to do that. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, if you're smart with your things, you know, if you're smart in capstone, I talked to a, a capstone professor. And if you actually use your own money as funding, you can make a case for yourself to have your entire capstone project as your intellectual property.
0: Okay. So, how it would normally work is your capstone is funded by the university. Correct. And then they just own the IP on that.
1: Yeah. And then they'll kind of license that out to you for like 50% or something, you know, something like that.
0: Okay. I know that. Uh, So how does Capstone work for bioengineering, do you know?
1: Uh, Not quite. I just know that um, it's a bunch of bioengineers, and bioengineers have a bunch of different disciplines and concentrations. Some are more electrical-based, some are more mechanical, some are more actual biological-based. So I guess the aim is to kind of mix your team members with a, you know, a good mix. Okay,
0: so backtrack to what you're actually hands-on doing now. Mm -hmm. The... Um, uh, what's the app that you were talking about?
1: It's called fancily.
0: Fan fancily fancily
1: F-A-N-C-I-L-Y. Okay. Yeah.
0: So elaborate on what that is.
1: Yeah. So here's the catchphrase. Um, it's an AI personal stylist platform that helps you decide what to wear and what to buy for any occasion. And we started that a year ago.
0: Okay. Is it released? Not yet, but we're, it's uh, in development.
1: yeah, we're in, we're in beta testing right now.
0: Okay. How many people are, how many people are developing it?
1: Developing it. Um, I would Actually say writing the, uh, right now, um, it's dipped a little bit lower in terms of, uh, number of people that are working on it, but at its height, it was 15 people. And this and is generate, this is using, yeah, yeah. Okay. And generate. And right now it's like just a few people, you know, but to be honest, we're kind of on the back burner with things right now because just time this semester has been pretty short and we want to gain more wisdom in terms of. How do we want to position ourselves in the future? Um, what kind of knowledge do we need to succeed? You know, you don't want to start something too early and not have the tools to continue it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So have you seen other people succeed doing this and actually, or have you heard stories of anyone succeeding through, excuse me, mm-hmm. is it, um, starting something through Generate and and getting on?
1: Uh, there have been a few. Uh, it's I see more uh, actually it's it's a, it's a good mix. I see a lot of good business ventures and a lot of good technical ventures that spin out of generate and out of uh, idea and out of uh, the entrepreneurs club that are actually doing pretty well. And where I see the big kind of valley of death is, um, in the set stage of idea. So idea is Northeastern's venture accelerator and they have the ready set go stage. And, um, the Husky Startup Challenge through Entrepreneurs Club takes you through the ready stage. And a set stage is where you really kind of build upon your product. You really prototype. You have all these funds you could shoot for. Um, all these people you could talk to, coaches, mentors, this, that. And a lot of people fail there or they give up or they just kind of realize that it's not quite feasible.
0: Is it? Is that something that you are doing with this app or is that separate? Is that a different...
1: Um, It's something I'm doing, yeah.
0: Okay, so you're in that set stage. Yes, set stage of idea. Trying not to be in that. valley,
1: valley, of, valley death. of death, exactly.
0: Okay, and is that your main venture right now? Is this up?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I'm doing some research on the side and just some small projects, but um, that's the main thing on the side.
0: Okay, so talk a little bit more about it if you have more to talk about. And kind of what ultimately, you know, what kind of people do you see using it?
1: Yeah, I mean. The spiel. The spiel, so. Let's see. We envisioned young professionals to be using it. Um, we're not really quite sure who yet. We've kind of tested it out with men, women, um, people who are of different income classes, because our, our first beta testing round was comprised of Northeastern students, you know, just like us. And um, we found out that people don't like being told what to exactly wear, but they like inspiration for buying. And that's where we kind of pivoted a little bit more towards the shopping aspect and gave them inspiration um, through machine learning and large data sets and kind of figuring out what they like to kind of give them nice predictions of what to buy. Um, but since I haven't spent too much time on Fancyly, a lot of my time has just been sent, spent with the Entrepreneurs Club at Northeastern and um, honestly my own research and just kind of side things. What's going on with you? I haven't
0: really been doing much in terms of side projects mm-hmm. i um so i'm on co-op as well yeah. right now i'm working at mercury systems mercury i think i've talked to you about it a little bit yeah a little basically. bit but... so mercury systems is a defense electronics company very mm-hmm. high-end high-tech um computers that basically take we contract with companies like uh, raytheon which mm-hmm. is contracts with the government
2: yeah
0: raytheon builds a lot of radar say we build computers that Raytheon buys, puts in their radars, and now their radar systems are smart.
1: Mm-hmm. So we
0: don't build weapons or defense equipment, but mm-hmm. we build the technology that enables them to be smart. And <clears throat> at Mercury, I'm in system testing. So systems engineering, it's basically what take. it's not even something that I really considered as a possible path for myself before I Uh, went on co-op there Mm -hmm. and I honestly don't even remember I think when the first episode of this podcast released was in when did I record it I think it was the end of end of July beginning of August when I first recorded the episode one of this podcast Vermont and I was just yeah because it was after it was I was planning it when we went to that Mm -hmm. uh, went on that trip to Vermont um I just started working at Mercury Systems then because I started in the beginning of June. So I was only a couple of months in when I started recording and I don't really remember what my sentiments about it were then mm-hmm. at this point in time. I've sort of realized that at least in terms of my next two co-ops are concerned, I want to move away from defense and into consumer electronics, maybe medical devices. Cool. Um, for two reasons. One, I understand the need to build defense products, but mm-hmm. it does feel a little bit weird being a part of building stuff. That's so
1: yeah. can
0: be so destructive Mm -hmm. um it's not something that i'm hard against but on some level it does feel sort of weird um it's gonna finish this and then we'll (laughs) go up and strain um the second reason is that what we build from my perspective at least Mm -hmm. are basically just black boxes i never really get to find out what they do specifically, mm-hmm. and no one is ever going to see it in action.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just, I mean, we build really high tech, high performance computers that are really small, don't consume a ton of power. You know, we're just maximizing everything we possibly can. So you're to more in the, the specifications. You're more on the hardware side. So yeah. So systems okay. engineering is taking the different hardware components mm-hmm. and assembling them into a computer that the customer can then program to do something. Gotcha. So, I do some software configuration, but I don't write software. Mm-hmm. I don't design hardware, but I'll you know, tweak things to make the system work. Gotcha. Um I might be upselling a little bit of my role in all of that mm-hmm. as a co-op, but in in general, you know, the systems engineer is what takes the Chips and circuit boards and puts them together into something that you recognize as an iPhone. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, iPhone being a good example of if I were to go back into systems engineering, I would rather be developing something like a phone than something like a black box that goes in an AC 130 and does who knows what. Yeah. Um, Understandable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. I've learned a lot, I've gleaned a lot from it. I've been there almost seven months now. So. Mm. It's, it's been valuable, but I think I want to take a step in a different direction. Yeah. Um, that's what cups for. Definitely hardware related. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm computer engineer. Yeah, you're CE. And yeah, that's, I'm kind of walking the line between hardware and software. Mm-hmm. I don't take a lot of courses in software. I sort of pick up on things as I go along. So I'm sort of a ghetto programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and hardware design skills take a lot of time yeah. to master. It's not really something that you can easily do on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you're just going to pick up your laptop and learn design hardware because it's expensive to create and and make things if you wanted to tinker around, but it is doable. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of, uh, I fantasize about side hustles a lot, yeah, but I don't really ever go through with them Mm -hmm. mostly because, um, you know, I take, I dip my toes in and then realize that, okay, yeah, it was a lot more complicated than I originally thought. Yeah. One thing that I've been recently thinking about that I think would be really cool, and it's, it's, this isn't really like a sellable idea,
2: but mm-hmm.
0: you know how uh, in the Iron Man movies, Tony Stark is like, he, he, he's like, hey, Friday, what am I looking at? And he yeah. has like in his glasses the, all right, check this out. I don't know if you've seen these.
1: Mm-hmm. Hold on. Ugh. Like the the Jarvis thing?
0: That's what he says, right? He's like Friday. I don't know what I'm talking about. Nah. So these... Let's see it. My friend. I got these before they came out. Oh, no way. These are Bose frames. Oh, I know what these are. So, and they actually have uh, Amazon Echo capabilities. No way. And speakers that play down directly into your ears. So they're probably dead right now, but Mm -hmm. these frames are a little bit big on my face. So it's like, they're kind of hard to wear, but here try them on your head's a little bit bigger. They'll probably fit you. Perfect. All right. All right. So now imagine, imagine now you have that connects to your phone. mm -hmm. So with Amazon echo capabilities, you now have Alexa on your sunglasses. Yeah. So I've been thinking about writing some Alexa skills that I guess the, the, the sort of fantasy that I have is writing a bunch of Alexa skills that sort of, as I need another thing for Alexa to do, Mm -hmm. write a new subtask for that skill to do. Okay. And then combine that with the Bose frames. And now Mm -hmm. I can walk around and say, I don't know. I, I literally yeah. have only gotten this far of like, mm-hmm. could I just slowly automate my life more and more and more? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And then, you know, on one hand, you could have an Echo Dot sitting on your table and you can control your lights, control your heat. Mm-hmm. You can do even more complicated things than that. Change the channel on your TV, order things on Amazon, play yeah. music. Um, I, I would, by the way. Look up the, the weather, way. search things. So now imagine you're walking around with it. There's already apps on this that use, it has a, uh, what is it? an eight axis accelerometer or something, Mm -hmm. which I don't even know how that helps you beyond. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, so it can tell you, so with GPS and the accelerometers, it knows where you are, what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And there's an app that you can look at a store and ask it what is on the menu at that restaurant. No way. And it will search it up and find it for you. That's so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that capability being in these glasses stacked with the Alexa capabilities that you can easily write mm-hmm. on your own but
1: no, that's that's fair then again that's you awesome. got to get some kind
0: of proficiency with it to make it work so yeah. yeah I think about things a lot but I don't really no no I, I think about a ton of things too I, My my I, brain is always going
1: I would love to kind of steer the conversation more in this direction I think about this stuff all the time like I don't know if you've seen um Apple's glasses that are going to come out with soon, Amazon's glasses that are going to come out soon. Um, I've not. Are they similar to this? Yeah. So AR technology is going to be huge in our lives, I think. Yep. Um, and it's just going to be so revolutionary. It's going to, I guess, increase the bandwidth in which we communicate with electronic devices. Makes so some, yeah. So some people consider us already cyborgs, in terms of uh, we communicate with our phones all day, our smartwatches, all this, our laptops, and all this stuff. And what really stops us from um I guess being more efficient or doing more things with it is the amount of uh the, the limits of interactions that we can perform with our device. And with AR and all these uh and AI even and uh all that kind of stuff, we're able to do a lot more cool things, which is really cool. It's gonna unlock a lot of cool stuff. Did Apple announce their AR
0: glasses? Um or, I'm not quite rumors. sure, but I, I think it might be rumors. It. Okay. Yeah. I think the last thing that they announced was that uh what is it? The 16-inch MacBook Pro. You see those? Yeah, I did see that. They're mad nice, dude. I need to get a Mac. This this Hackintosh that I'm working with over here is not exactly yeah. cutting it. I don't know. It gets the job done, but mm-hmm. and it's it was that that's something that was actually a cool project that I worked on. Um, yeah. I built this computer. I Hackintoshed it. I was gonna put um, Ubuntu, which is a Linux yeah. distribution,
1: on it, mm-hmm.
0: but then I wanted
1: macOS because it's shiny. Yeah. And uh, I think Apple's really cool. I mean, their whole planned obsolescence thing where they moved from a desktop computer to a laptop to an iPad to an iPhone to a smartwatch to now glasses, kind of this this planned version of you're going to use this next because we're forcing you to. And like I always thought of Apple as you not like a, that. I am not sure. I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's a really effective business model and um it's definitely
0: an effective business model yeah i think a lot of people would argue that it's super anti-consumer especially if you don't have the ability to repair your own stuff and oh actually yeah after. for
1: sure for sure they they control every vertical of their all their products everything research chips this that like you see you know like google phones using like qualcomm chips and then like a like a and I don't even know if this is true, like an NVIDIA GPU inside it, you know, all these different mix and matched parts, but Apple is just all Apple. That's it. You know? So they have a lot more flexibility in terms of like what they can do and when. It makes sense. I mean, they do get stuff from other
0: yeah. companies. Mm-hmm. They have the MacBook Pros have, or I think all their laptops have um, Intel processors. Sony makes the cameras. Mm-hmm. Samsung makes the glass. Yes, I, think I, I might I was, be talking I, to my <laughs> <animal> butt here. <laughs> no, I, I I understand what you're saying though, because mm-hmm. in in terms of the actual for the phones, like they make their own, uh, they design the processors for their own phones and stuff. So yeah, um, there is some level of kind of proprietary first partiness that makes it enticing and different. Mm-hmm. I like Apple products a lot. I, I, I think it's mostly sort of like a shiny allure. I wouldn't say that I'm a yeah. uh, an Apple fanboy, but I think that their stuff's really well made.
1: I I appreciate stuff that's really well made. It's just so easy to use. You know, it appeals to all different audiences, you know, young, old, everyone can use it. You know, and you ask your friend, like, how do I do this on my iPhone? There's only one way to do it. You know, versus you go on different Android platforms and different versions of Android and it's, you don't know what to do, you know? Which to be fair, from uh, the perspective of development and
0: power user side of things, Mm -hmm. Android Phones are a lot more.
1: Oh, yes. Powerful.
0: I would definitely say so. Have you seen, I forget what the phone's called. Um, Huawei makes it. It's like a. Um, oh. Have you ever held a Huawei phone? Yeah. They don't sell them in the US, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as I know. But the, uh, the the cameras on those things, dude. Crazy. Have you played around with it? Uh, not
1: too much. No.
0: They advertise it as. So you ever try to take a picture with your phone of the moon? Yes. It shows up as like a little pinhead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They can,
0: with that phone, take a – this was false advertising, mm-hmm. but it's – in theory, the capabilities of the phone would allow you to do this. Okay. They took a picture – they took a picture of the moon where the moon took up the entire screen. No way. So it was sort of blurry, but it was it was a picture of the moon close up, and you end up with, like, a hundred times zoom on these things.
1: Oh, I did see so that.
0: Yes. they got called out, and then they, like, denied that – they said so that. someone, someone proved that the phone can actually take that picture
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they just denied, they don't have to be truthful. I mean, they're just sort of yeah. like a, a puppet company, but they make really cool mm-hmm. phones.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm almost scared of technology. This like cameras are getting better. I was also really impressed with Google for a while and still am obviously, but they had one lens for a while, one camera. And they did a bunch of software manipulation to, with the photos, and they, they looked great for a very long time, while other phones were coming out with two and three cameras at the same time. But it's cool stuff. Is Google still working with uh, one camera on the Pixel? I don't, I don't or believe so anymore. They probably have yeah. They have to. It's also like more of a consumerism thing. You know, people want more than one camera now. Yeah. You know? It's weird. People don't even know what, it what is. they're buying. Yeah. Uh, That blows my mind, the ability
0: to sell something that is so beyond, especially like I go to work every day Mm -hmm. and I learn the the guts of some kind of computer hardware that I did not understand before. Yeah. And someone along the lines has to sell that to someone who doesn't know what it is and convince them that they need it. Mm -hmm. And they probably do need it. But if I were to try to explain why they need it, they would not. I, I respect these people on, you know, I'd be talking about focal length and, yeah. you know, but like, being
1: able to articulate and translate that technical knowledge to, to cons- marketing, to marketing. Yeah. yeah.
0: It blows my mind.
1: So where do you think all these technologies are like heading? Oh, uh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm honestly a little scared because I know that AI is not where people think it is and people are kind of over, overhyping it right now, but you think so? I do think so. Um, I think it's pretty advanced where it is right now, but kind of the consumer-facing AI um, isn't quite what people think it is, but I'm just, I'm a little scared for all of the congregation or, um, yeah, the congregation of wealth. You know, you see all, it's, it's harder and harder to become wealthy, you know, wealthy in time, wealthy in knowledge, wealthy in money. And that's because the people who have or are on top of, you know, these emerging technologies that are just skyrocketing right now, imagine like an exponential graph, right? And there's the inflection point where the slope is less than one, reaches one, and then is above one. I think we're really close to that inflection point. And I think if you don't, you know, catapult yourself into the other level of people, the super rich, that you're not going to be able to get there later on in life. You know, there's going to be less and less socioeconomic mobility. That's what I think personally. Um, And I kind of am motivated by money, yes, but also just personal endeavors because I want to protect myself with this bubble of people and money from, you know, kind of the, the terrors that I almost envision the world's going to. The terrors or the, the tears? The terrors. The terrors? The terrors. What, what kind of terror? Like technological terrors? Climate huh? terrors? A bunch, yeah. I would yeah. say, you know, first, first of all, technological and lifestyle. Um, I think the, the big companies are going to find a way around this, but I think people are going to be living very very hand-to-mouth you know what they work for it comes right out of their netflix subscription their this subscription they're that this you know all this kind of stuff and they're just going to be living these almost robotic lives where all these big players and big companies are controlling their lives every aspect of it and they have nowhere to go you know do you think
0: that i mean there's there's probably a lot of people that could hear that and sit and listen and say you know like i'm i'm listening to this podcast on spotify a service that i pay for monthly automatically you know that isn't that isn't spotify then a culprit of that i would i would say and subscription stuff Mm -hmm. so at what point is it
1: innocent entertainment and at what point is it more than that that's a great question and um I thank you for being the devil's advocate because <laughs> not a lot of people have the guts or you know the kind of the mind power to even think about. that. are like, oh, oh yeah, cool, oh, wow, I'm scared, you know. But um, it's it's a difficult, it's difficult to articulate what I really want to say. But a little closer to the mic there. Mm-hmm. But it's there. There's a fine line, and it's it's also a fuzzy line. But I just envision different companies controlling different aspects of your lives. And it's going to seem innocent, but beneath that, you're just a a money pit. Not I a money
0: definitely, pit. I, I see what you're trying to say, right? I get, when you say control, I think that has a negative connotation and, mm-hmm. and it sort of pushes... Me to think like, oh wait, like I have Netflix, a Disney Plus, a Hulu, a Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. I pay for iCloud storage to back up my phone, like all these subscription things that I'm just consuming and constantly spending money on. Is it you know, am I am I part of that? Am I feeding into that? Am I being controlled? It seems like something that you wouldn't want happening when someone says that to you. I think that the the concept of a consumer being caught up in that isn't necessarily a bad thing and that control isn't nefarious necessarily it's not like anyone's trying to take over the world like a um nemesis in some movie Mm -hmm. but the influence is there the power is there whether or not it's used for the wrong reasons still takes away this
1: freedom of choice i think I think um, well, that's, that's a great point, by the way. I think it's impossible to not use it, not, I guess, uh, excuse my language, but fall victim to using these services. I think it's completely impossible to ignore these and not even use them. I think it's best to use these services being the leading edge of these services, um, envision what will come next, and try to maneuver your way through all these obstacles and companies and services. And create your own or invest in some new product or something like that.
0: How does that help avoid the pitfalls of, if any, like what, what pitfalls in day-to-day consumption are there?
1: What pitfalls? Could you... Just where do you see... So when you say
0: you're scared, mm-hmm. what are you scared of?
1: I'm scared of my life being... um. Well, seeming like it's in my hands, but not really. Because you have to have these things. You have it's stuff you have to spend
0: money on. You don't really have a choice, even though technically you do. Yes. It, mm-hmm. You don't feel like you do. Yeah. I was talking to um, some game developers, pretty big game. I won't say due to NDA stuff, but the devs were saying that a lot of times when a weapon in this game is really overpowered. They'll kind of let it be. And a lot of times, I don't know if you play games or I, have ever played games. I do. Um shooter specifically, a lot of times it will be a gun in the game that's way more powerful and everyone's using it. You have to use it. And when those guns get nerfed by the developers, people get angry. They're like, "Why did you make that less, you know, that gun has less damage now. I can't use it. It's not fun anymore." And I sort of I sort of shared that mentality as well until i heard this person explain it to me and he said sort of just what i was leading on at before that when something's overpowered the player doesn't have a choice and they have to play the game the way the game is telling them to play it and they rebalance things and they they let things they they give give things excuse me some slack so people can have fun with it but then they try to rebalance things, reel it in a little bit, and give the player a choice. You know, change the meta of how the guns are spread out. And, yeah, now the players have no idea what they're supposed to do. But that's supposed to be the allure, as you figure it out, and you have that choice to sort of walk through and play the game the way you choose to as a player. So, yeah, I just wanted to, like, add that little nugget in there. It's not something that I realized until really recently, until... I had this conversation um, and I, I think that it applies to kind of what you're saying now. It's these big players in I think subscription stuff, especially you sort of feel like you have to be a part of it and you don't have a choice to do anything else. Um, and I don't think that that wraps up everything. That's a subscription service. I think there's plenty of things that are sort of on the edge. I saw an Instagram ad the other day for a subscription box. What was it for? Dog toys. So every month they send you like dog toys and new dog treats and stuff. And, you know, if you're getting that subscription service, you're definitely making the conscious choice to add that to your life. Something like Netflix and Spotify, if you consume movies and music, which is most people, you you sort of have to hop onto one of these things or get screwed by a cable company Mm -hmm. and, and be forced to purchase tons of packages and stuff. So there's probably other schools of thought on it, but it's just a little...
1: No, I, I think side that, that I have. Yeah, that, that's a great way of distilling uh, the, the the situation down to a more understandable level and something that a lot of people can relate to. Um, and not even just subscription services. I think there will be a clever way that these big companies will kind of siphon this money and resources out of you, not through just something as obvious as a subscription service, but you know, just other ways of getting money or resources from you that I think are gonna eventually drain people. Um, not drain people completely, but you know, leave them at a critical level where they do, I guess I keep saying this, live hand to mouth, you know. The money they make goes through these things and rinse and repeat. But I do think it is important to consume these services so that you understand like what's gonna come ahead and so that you can get ahead of the curve. And that's um, I guess my entire philosophy is I wanna be ahead of the curve. I don't want to be riding the wave, is I wanna be looking at the wave ahead of me and how am I going to get there and how am I going to hop on before anybody else does? Because I don't think you can make new waves anymore or not very easily. Instead, it's, you have to be smart and tactical with where you want to go. So what's
0: the new wave
1: now? What's the new wave? What are you getting ahead on? Um, Spill it with the world. So it depends on what industry you're talking about. what do you want to go for? I don't know. What's
0: what's something that has a wave that's worth getting ahead of?
1: Hmm. Um. Well, I think. Well, this year did phenomenally well for technology in the stock market specifically. Tech is
0: obviously a yeah. huge wave. Mm-hmm. Huge. Everybody's riding it. Yeah, everybody's riding
1: it, it. So, um, I'm a little. I'm very. I'm actually a little excited about biotech. I think there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff going on with gene therapies and. Yes. Uh, CRISPR editing and stuff. I think yes. that stuff is gonna yes. be so cool. So I don't know. You want to go? You want to go on that? Yes. Let's. I want to jump into CRISPR. Okay. What do you want to know?
0: Okay. So I hate to reference Netflix because we're just kind of shitting on it, but uh, not directly. Nothing against you, Netflix. Sort of. Anyway, there's this. It's called. Um, oh, what is this series called? It's a docu-series called Unnatural Selection, and it sort of follows a few of these people, real-life people. I thought it was a fictional show when I clicked on it. You ever seen the National Geographic series Mars? Yes. Where it's like sort of documentary, but it's mostly like a drama Mm -hmm. um, of like a fictional civilization on Mars. That's what I thought that this was going to be, but it's a a documentary. Um, And it opens with this guy who lives in uh, some southern state, isn't traditionally educated, learned how to use CRISPR using uh YouTube videos, and now he's trying to make a he's a dog breeder. He's trying to make dogs that (laughs) that glow. Um to prove I mean not just as like a a stunt, but he's trying to prove that he can do what he's trying to do and then eventually try to eliminate genetic uh diseases that often pop up in purebred dogs. Mm -hmm. So it follows a few other characters that are doing Different things, um, some of which people have probably heard about, there's the guy that uh, injected CRISPR into himself. Um, I forget what the gene was called, but it's, it uh, increases muscle cell production, so if he were to do it you know more and more and more, he'd get bigger arms. He just in the little demo he did, he just injected it into one and it just affects the cells that it touches. but just the idea of someone you know biohacking at such a
1: no, I think it's primitive.
0: Incredible level you know not in the lab this is at like a conference um no it's, it's going in a wild direction like what is going to happen with this stuff it's been around for yeah, you know, sort of a while in the scheme of how fast things are going but in the scheme of how long we've known about
1: genetics not that long like this is this is new yeah it's fairly and it's moving new stuff. fast and I think with the combination of AI being able to scrape through, um, you know, I want to say like quadrillions of amino acids to figure out what affects what and correlate these different um, genes to different characteristics within um, organisms, I think we're going be, to be able to do a lot of cool things. And it's, it's crazy just if you take a deep dive into biology and CRISPR and all this cool stuff, you can do a lot, you know. I think that we're going to see, you know, everyone's kind of
0: worried about mutant zombie animals and like crazy strong bears getting released into the wild. CRISPR, some psycho genetically modifies something they weren't supposed to. It escapes the lab and, you know, mad scientist style horror movie result. I think that the. There's always sort of a a surprising reality that comes. behind emerging technologies and I think we're gonna see I mean we've already seen some pretty big steps in the medical field with CRISPR. Um I think the first big bucks to be made on it are gonna be something stupid, something faddish and like huh. I don't know. How like a magic pill. No, I don't think it's no. going to be something like that. I think it's going to be like, like, remember silly bands. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a CRISPR equivalent to silly bands, something that's just stupid and makes a ton of money. <laughs> DIY genetic engineering, you know, like make your hand go on TikTok or <laughs> a kit you buy that you can stab your dog with it. And now your dog, you know, barks an octave higher or something just silly and stupid that comes out because the technology is not expensive. The mm-hmm. research is expensive, and is the cost of doing that research is exponentially decaying. Mm-hmm. Um, the first human genome cost millions or billions billions to yes to sequence, and now you can do it for a hundred bucks. It's, the sequencing costs way less than that. Mm-hmm. I think from uh, what is it twenty three and me you can get um, for either fifty or hundred bucks. You get your um, ethnic background, and then for twice that price, you get your um, the breakdown. You get the the disease vulnerabilities, but they're sequencing all that anyway. Doesn't matter how much you pay; it's probably costing them twenty dollars to do that. Yeah, uh, including the supplies that they're sending you, and you know, what's that going to be ten years from now? When Ancestry.com, DNA, or whatever the first website that was selling these boxes that do your DNA first came out, the cheapest one that you could do is 100 bucks, and now you can do it for far less than that. Yeah, and I, that was, what, five, maybe ten years ago? No, yeah. Um, ten years from now, it'll be... You, you just,
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: My bad. 10 years from now, it won't even be something that you pay for. Everyone will just be sequenced at birth. Yeah.
2: Uh, I don't even know. That's where a th- wave. I don't, I don't
0: even know where you could stand
1: on that wave. But no, that's, that's a wave. How do you get ahead of it? How do you don't get ahead me. of it? How do you get ahead of the biotech wave? Um, I think a company that's doing a really great job with all this stuff is Ginkgo Bioworks. And they're founded by a bunch of MIT PhDs. And one of the co founders there. Um, I believe it's Tom, Tom Knight. I think it's Tom Knight. And this guy, um, well, we actually had Rash machete, one of the, the COO of uh, Ginkgo Bioworks and also an MIT PhD um, come in for the entrepreneurs club. And she was talking about one of their co-founders, Tom Knight. And this guy practically invented the internet. And this guy was ahead of every single wave that there was. So he was a super electrical engineer helped pioneer the internet then he got bored of it and started going into biology because he thought that biology could be programmed and he was right. And for a very long time, they have been trying out different markets and different products that will actually, um, you know, go somewhere. And I think they're going to do some pretty cool things. They're trying out a ton of different products. Do you know what's on the horizon or projects they're trying, stuff they're getting into, stuff that got hinted at maybe or... Um, not too much, but next time I come over, um, I'll talk about it more. But I do think that they're going to figure out aging somehow. I think that they're going to figure out how to stop telomere deterioration. Yep. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with that, right? I'm
0: familiar with it, yeah. So basically, explain it for people who don't know, just sort of like a explain, like I'm five.
1: Kinda. Yeah. So your DNA has, imagine it as a line and it, at each of the endpoints, um, are called telomeres, and telomeres are kind of these caps of repetitive amino acids um, that are there so that when you get older and your cells uh, divide, multiply and divide, a little bit breaks off each time, and there's not really a way to stop this process. And so you have these built-in caps from when you're born that eventually kind of wear away, and as you get older and older, the caps are gone, and you start eating into your real DNA that matters, and Uh, As you kind of wear into the real DNA that matters, you change an amino acid that changes um, a primary structure, then a secondary structure or tertiary structure. Then you get a protein that is supposed to have some outward facing um, hydrophilic uh, aspects of it that are suddenly hydrophobic, don't like water. And that changes the entire rest of the protein, which makes it completely unusable and then that one aspect of your body, for example, that's able to digest you know let's say lactase or lactose um, is is gone you know and you kind of start the your the body kind of starts shutting down because it can't really recreate these proteins and vital aspects of your yourself right so the idea
0: with genetic therapies is to prevent these telomeres from
1: deteriorating for anti-aging. Yes. Right. But, uh, I think what, how they're really going to pioneer this path is by solving a lot of, um, terrible diseases. I think that's how they're going to kind of pave the way in that direction, get, gather more knowledge, gather more, uh, get, get, get the public behind it and eventually go down that direction where we're you know, become more cyborgs where we develop, um, people who are running faster, thinking faster, you know, jumping higher, all that kind of cool stuff. And then that kind of brings in the issue of the ethics. Yeah. You know,
0: Uh, (laughs) I think, uh, like, obviously the, the big thing is what do you do about competitive athletics? Once you have people like that
2: coming onto the scene. Mm hmm. Do you exclude them? Do you... Make it a separate event? Make it a separate event? I don't know. Uh, What do you do when it's the first person to do it, though? You can't make it a separate event. It's... It's a weird and really hard
0: question to answer. Because on one hand, one of the guys in this uh, Netflix show that I was just talking about earlier... Um, on natural selection his it was the guy that injected the uh, CRISPR into his arm his deal is that he wants CRISPR to be something that's accessible to everyone because like I said the technology is not expensive the, there's a lot of research that goes into it that's obviously very costly but there's a huge barrier to actually executing um, CRISPR technology on a living organism his spiel is that if the resources are brought to everyone and it's open to everyone, everyone can run faster, jump higher, you know, be whatever they want to be. Uh, you still run into ethical issues even if everyone can do it without a high cost barrier to entry because what types of people are going to be created from that? Are popular opinions going to become popular reality?
1: It's a dark path you could be going down. Yeah, very dark. But there's a lot of stuff that can be fixed. I, I think we're a little bit away from you know, running fast or jumping higher because there's so many different aspects of your DNA that control those specific factors. But um, I think we may be heading in that direction. We're
2: definitely
0: heading in that direction because there are definitely people that want that to be the end goal.
1: Yeah. and Intelligence. I, I think it's almost books, necessary you know, imagine going to Mars, you know, SpaceX. Our current biological setup is not suited for Mars. Our bone density, our muscle density is not suited for Mars. People who go into outer space come back um, completely, I guess not malnourished, but you know, their bones are brittle. They have no muscle mass, you know, all this kind of stuff. I think that'll be a cool way of allowing us to kind of colonize other planets.
0: I think so, too. Uh, I mean, you still get back to the ethics issue, though, because you're talking about genetic engineering, which is a science, and colonizing Mars, which in the beginning, getting that set up is a very science-driven task. I mean, a lot of industry interested as well, obviously, but actually accomplishing living there is led by scientific approach Mm -hmm. so you're sort of throwing ethics out the door either way like yeah you're going to mars you want to have the best possible biological people colonizing mars so you're gonna use this other corner of science to genetically modify them to become stronger and lower gravity you know what i'm you Mm -hmm. see where i'm going with it so like yeah, it's useful in that sense, but it's not more ethical. It's just a reason to throw ethics out the window. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think it's going to be a big, big issue for when it comes along. You know, we already have CRISPR babies. You know, what's uh, the story behind that? I'm not quite is sure. In
0: China, something secretive, two I'm, babies born. I'm
1: sure we have it too. Yeah. I, I heard six? they, yeah, for sure. Um, Someone has definitely gone behind someone's back or, you know, even have approved plans and organizations doing this stuff. But I heard that they died, but I'm not quite certain. So don't hold me to that. This is super rumory. Yeah, <laughs> very rumory. But I'm not surprised that countries are doing this. If countries are doing this. Yeah, no,
0: I wouldn't be surprised either. I know. um I don't know. The United States is pretty strict about what you can do legally, obviously, um illegally you can do anything you want, so there's not really any restriction about that. Um I think in some countries it's there's just no laws preventing it. So any crazy scientist with a idea and a lot of money can do whatever they want mm-hmm. with genetic engineering. I don't, I don't know. What do you like it's a tough game to play.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: On the bright side Are people's day-to-day lives going to be affected by it overnight? Probably not. We're probably not going to have a 28 Days Later style zombie apocalypse where everybody's running around killing each other uh, tomorrow. How can people, how do you think everyday people will be able to benefit from it? Not not about just genetically modifying offspring, but do you think people will be genetically modifying themselves on the spot to kind of Um, I mean, we already sort of see it with like stem cell therapies and stuff like that. Do you think that, uh, CRISPR and genetic modification of in-place cells in, in like a, uh, therapy, physical therapy?
1: Um, I do think so. Yeah. Um, I think there's almost limitless possibilities of what we can do with all the emerging technologies and combining technologies from different sectors as you were talking about, but I don't know. I, you brought up a good point of uh, illegal and illegal activities, and you know, um, maybe China's supposed to be doing this or not supposed to be doing this, or somehow it got let out, uh, maybe almost purposefully because that's that's pretty big news to let out somehow, um, or some kind of publicity known or something. But it's crazy. I, I stay up for hours at night just thinking about how complex our world is and where it's going to go. Do you have any – are there any – how do I say this?
0: Are there any things you're staying up all night thinking about that you have, like, a a prediction of how it's going to – it seems like with CRISPR, it's anyone's guess as to what direction it's going to go into. We could save the world with it. We could ruin it. Are there any technologies that you're like, this is the future of this, aside from apps that decide what you want to
1: (laughs) wear? Um. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny. But uh not quite yet. I would definitely come back and gather uh, gather my thoughts on my podcast again some other time, but I guess another idea of what I think is going to come along the horizon is um other countries. I don't think the the US is going to be or even now is the dominant superpower in the world. I think um you know, the eastern hemisphere is doing incredible things. Um not going to say anything about like ethics or anything, but um, I don't know I think the U.S. is a little bit in trouble this is very 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 political I don't even know if you want to go in this direction but yeah go for it um, nothing's off limits some things are off limits but I just you know like China's Belt and Road Project you know they're connecting trade throughout, throughout the entirety of Asia they're, um, or they, they did take IP or at least I think they took IP from many different manufacturers and Made their own spin offs of technology um it's almost a a game of how the society is built, and that's that's the way I kind of thought about it so don't judge me if I'm wrong or have any political stances or anything. I'm trying to keep this as um closed in in, in itself as possible politically agnostic okay, but I think they're I don't know I think. The person who you know, people who are are running that country or even that hemisphere, just those everyone who's not the U.S. um, They're playing the long game. You know, I feel like they're gonna win, and I don't know what they're gonna win or when or what that even means. But I feel like they're gonna win, and I I'm scared. (laughs) See, I
0: I don't know if this is an unpopular stance. Mm -hmm. I really don't think that things change that fast and don't get me wrong they do change that fast but growing up in the fastest period of any type of change ever can it really go that like if things are going to go bad politically i mean i i guess i'm privileged to not have ever been in any type of politically hot uh area but On a global scale, I really don't think that we're in a position for anyone to be, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good that people are stealing information, IP, spying on each other, surveilling on their own citizens. I think it's all horrible stuff. Um, I think that everyone's day-to-day life is relatively unaffected, which is a dangerous perspective to have, given that, you know, if you... It's a slippery slope, mm-hmm. but I feel like everything's a slippery slope and not every slippery slope goes out of control. Sometimes a slippery slope's a really fun thing to ski down.
1: That's a good point. You know what I mean? That's a good point.
0: I, I think from a technological point of view, I um, my, my unfiltered opinion on it is that all technological progress is good. Um, you know, as long as we're not eradicating everyone, um, which some technological advances have almost done, um, I think it's good to keep progressing. I mean, until we know that we're not the only people in the universe, I think that uh, the allure of exploration, space exploration is really cool stuff. I think that the allure of the fact that this is the only planet that we can live on right now and protecting that is really cool. Um but I think inside of those boundaries there's a lot of stuff that can be worked on and I think that political heat isn't important in the scheme of I agree reality. Mm-hmm. I I think that you know and we we kind of shout on Netflix and and streaming services and and big companies and stuff and that's not necessarily political but it is it is insignificant in the scheme of you know what all people are really working on yeah like the I mean, singularity so uh, there's a lot of competition but at the end of the day everyone sort of has the same goal to make cooler better technology and you know there are individuals that want more power and the ability to restrict that and i think that ultimately given the scale of the world someone somewhere With an idea and the desire to execute it is going to prevail over oppressive governments or corporations that are creating big barriers to entry. I think that stuff's always evolving. Policies change. They get um, there's reforms. There's those reforms are repealed, and then you know there's always just a back and forth of from a political perspective of stuff going on. So in terms of technology going awry. There's definitely a lot of wrong ways we could go. I. It's probably naive for me to say this, but I don't, I, I would hope that it's not catastrophic. I don't know if it's just hard for a person to think and, and actually believe that something's going to be catastrophic in the end. I don't think that it's impossible to go in that direction. Um Something like climate change where all the models show a lot of people being displaced from coastlines in a hundred years and famine and war and like the bad things are gonna happen. I don't discount that, but I have faith over I have I have faith in people over the course of a hundred years to mitigate that result because that doesn't it doesn't take into account reality predictions don't take into account reality sometimes sometimes they do i I think it's a little ranty
1: but do you see where i'm getting at yeah i think that was incredibly insightful and a a very nice way of you know painting that big picture um i almost don't even know what to say i'm in awe so if there are the kind of two things that i think are
0: um just to get sort of out of the out of the weeds here two big things that i think are really cool in, in terms of stuff that we can spend policy time, and money on. Space exploration
1: and protecting Earth. Um, I think about the same thing all the time.
0: You know, because it's like uh, those two things really do go hand in hand. Until we've explored enough space to find a new Earth, we need to make sure that this one's plan okay. A is still in good shape before we put all our... Uh, eggs in plan B yeah but plan B isn't even real yet you know it's like you go to the casino and you go to play roulette and you throw all your chips in the air hoping they land on a number that's not on the board yet
2: Mm -hmm.
0: those are your odds right now yeah Mars has a has a potential to have some kind of small colony on it but it's we're not migrating there anytime soon so I think that those two things really go hand in hand in terms of stuff that's worth spending time on in the meantime, you know, you got your day-to-day life, you got to graduate school, get a job, make some money, save for retirement,
1: maybe have some kids. It's part of the system. You know, uh, yeah,
0: it, it is part of the system, but, you know, I, I think that there's the ability to focus on all of those things. And uh, I don't know, they're, they're cool things to, I think the space exploration is a good, a good thing to think about. I find that relaxing. Mm-hmm. the the just expanse of space. I just finished reading um Neil, one of Neil deGrasse Tyson's books. Which one was it? It's not his latest one. It was Astrophysics for People in a Nutshell. Ah. Um, his latest one's called Letters to an Astrophysics. I'm Letters to an Astrophysicist. I'm probably gonna pick that one up too. But the first one was pretty good. Anyone who doesn't have any sort of grasp on what it is, what what there is, if you look up. Um, it would. It's definitely a good read if you have basic knowledge. That's pretty much what it's covering is stuff. That if you've if you've listened to ten Morgan Freeman narrated documentaries on Discovery Channel, you probably got all the information that's in that book. But it's definitely cool to like think about yeah exploration and, and space and astronomy.
1: Yeah, just to take the conversation in a few directions, and I don't know how we're doing on time or anything. We could stop and we got as much reserve. time as we want, but um. One thing I think is incredible is the ocean. We haven't really explored the ocean at all. We're exploring more in space. Um, did you
0: listen to my episode with uh Jenna? I did not um It's not really ocean exploration, but so she was on uh she was a non profit called Save the Blue yeah and the the first like thing that they did was raise money to buy new satellite tags and then they went out with a crew in the Pacific ocean. And they were the first crew to geo like satellite tag whale sharks wow, and, and track their migration patterns. That's it's awesome. A cool episode. Yeah. Good for Check her. You don't listen to my podcast.
1: Um, I listen. What? to what? part of That's why I it. let you on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just um, another direction is I guess plastic, you know, every bit of plastic we've ever produced is still here. It just gets smaller and smaller. So we've got to figure out uh, something to do with that. You brought up the environment issue, uh, big issue. Um, I think a lot of crazy things are going to happen. Maybe people will die, famine, all these crazy things. And um, I guess it's important at the end of the day to think about all these things, but also it's not a defeatist attitude, but kind of take a step back, relax, maybe kind of realize that you don't have a huge impact on where the world is going and what's going to happen. And also to sit down and just enjoy the ride, you know. Well, yeah. Before it kills all of us. Yeah. (laughs) But talking about book recommendations, one more kind of reply to what you were saying. Um, One book I read that was really powerful was Principles by Ray Dalio. And I strongly recommend that book. And something that I carry with me every day is called, one of his principles called Radical Transparency. And it's the idea of being completely honest in every aspect of your life with other people, yourself. And you'll just see changes in your life if you continue to practice and build these habits interesting uh what kind of read is it
0: uh, could you could you read it on in its entirety on like an airplane ride or um, is it one of those or is it more of like a sit down and read it before bed for a week or so
1: i would say this the latter
0: yeah Mhm. takes a little bit more thought to
1: absorb maybe not so much more thought but i feel like if you want to get the most out of it you should uh kind of space it out it Makes sense you know, digest it internally. Yeah. I don't read that
0: much. I, I don't dislike it, but it's a, it's a slow way for me to take in information. But I've sort of gotten to this point where uh, I'm sure some other people can relate to this, but through like middle and high school, I would always be watching like Vsauce videos me and, too. Sci-show me too. and just, um, just sort of like explanatory videos, videos on YouTube. Um, going to college and and learning more stuff and then going back and watching those they are pretty surface level things and that's not to be like a conceited point of view i i think that there's a ton of merit in people who are are interested in the content of those videos watching them but for me even though it's what i grew up learning to enjoy i don't get the same like satisfaction of knowledge by watching them anymore so uh,
1: recently i've been trying to I'm. I could feel the same thing. So just switch the medium that I'm. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out a different path of, you know, getting the same enjoyment I used to back then with all these cool videos, but in a different way, a different medium, and I haven't quite found it yet. Reading is a little bit slow. I do find it pretty enjoyable, um, with some good books and some, uh, some books to talk about wisdom and just kind of life lessons and stuff, but, um, I think we're getting closer to figuring. That that path. Do you think? Um, do you ever listen to audiobooks? Rarely. But I think they're. I think they're good.
0: I I love listening to audiobooks because same reason I love listening to podcasts. The, my main time that I'm listening to a, a podcast or a book is when I'm doing something else. Um, if I'm in the middle of something sort of mundane at work that doesn't really require a lot of like thought, if I'm not doing math at work, I don't. You know, if I'm just copying stuff from one spreadsheet to another, I'll listen to a podcast. I'll listen to a book and I can do my work and get paid at work and get through a mundane task that I don't want to do and get information. Hear someone speak. I like listening to sort of conversational interview style podcast like this. I'm creating the type of podcast that I like to listen to. Um,
2: or a book, listening to a book and just, you know, especially if there's a good, um, a good reader. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a good
1: experience. Um, Audible through Amazon. Yeah. Is a by the good. way, great ac- great acquisition for them. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I mean, I think he does a lot of very strategic acquisitions. I mean he has to. Yeah. Look, look at look at what it is. Yeah. <laughs> what do you expect? But how about uh how are you doing trading? Trading. Trading's fun. Uh it's kind of goes goes back to the the waves that we're talking about. Yeah. Um did pretty well this year with technology. My Some of my favorite stock picks that I'm most proud of um, over the past uh, few years are NVIDIA. I was incredibly proud of that. <laughs> as soon as I got to the whole, like, what is Bitcoin thing, like, uh, like um, in middle school, I used to talk about that stuff at Christmas to my cousins. I'm like, I'm mining Bitcoin, guys. I you love were mining it. Bitcoin in middle school? Yeah. I thought the idea of a cryptocurrency and being rewarded by using my parents' electricity bill <laughs> <laughs> uh, could, you know, give me it's profit. easy math, you know, you got yeah. zero on one side and a lot of money on the other exactly. side. Exactly. It know? was so much fun. And I was like, wow, GPUs are crazy. I started looking to NVIDIA. I was like, wow, there's a whole gaming market that's using predominantly NVIDIA. You know, AMD's there too, but I was like, NVIDIA's the wave. Um, started putting money that I was just from side jobs and stuff like that into it and um, paid off. Uh, yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. Um, another one I was pretty impressed with is Salesforce. Um, How do I know what that is? It's a client. I forget what it is. It's a CRM, like client or contact something management system. And it's a way of... Uh, Basically organizing your clients, your orders, your POs, you know, everything that's going on within a business in one spot. And I think it transformed a lot of businesses. And I I had that insight because um, I was just trying to take a look at how to start a business, how like what it takes. And I had this idea early on of like user flow is everything. User experience will win any market. And I thought that they would. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And that paid off too? Yeah. And obviously, That's the big great. players, Google, this, that, like, you know, they're just going to get bigger. Are you ever on Reddit? Uh, I do. Do you know the subreddit Wall
0: Street Bets? I do. I don't read it, but I do. Are you familiar in the past few weeks with these unlimited money glitches on Robinhood? I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into it, but basically, there's, there's a way. It's not really unlimited money, it's unlimited margin, margin which is letting you. Invest using Robinhood, which is a broker. Um, Robinhood's money. There's a, a glitch to get unlimited amount of margin to invest with. Normally, they'll give you a maximum of like a few thousand dollars. Um, so now, if you have a million dollars, you can do crazy stuff with it, make tons of money, or you can end up in the hole big time. And Wall Street Bets has been kind of—it's uh, a subreddit that's been eating this up because they love yeah. just super high risk gambling in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So I got a little inspired a couple of weeks ago. I didn't do this glitch. Um, as far as I know, it's fraud. You can't, like, mm-hmm. it's super legal to to do. Um, but I got a little bit inspired to do some gambling in the stock market. So I'm like, all right, I'll take 250 bucks and just like throw it in and see what happens. Um, and I went on a little roller coaster of trading options. Um, with no research. So I bought, (laughs) I bought, I shorted Disney. So I bought some puts. They were all like, uh, one week expiry dates. Mm -hmm. So I bought, you know, the difference between call and put options, Yes, put options, you're shorting the stock. You want it to go down call option. You want the stock to go up. That's how you make the money. Um, so I, this is right after Disney plus came out. I'm like, all right, I'll buy a week long put for Disney. I think there's going to be some volatility. I'll just cash out when it goes down, make a little bit of money. <laughs> no, I I was almost immediately at uh negative a hundred dollars. So I lost $350 in seconds mm-hmm. after buying this put option. Um, I had also bought Call options in Roku, hoping that Roku would go up. Roku had a nice spike a couple weeks ago, so I I was able to ride that up. Broke even, sold everything, and then I had $250 again. I'm like, all right, what do I do with this? Um, What did I end up doing? Oh, so I bought options in... Uh, my cousin texted me He's like, Hey, I hear like Canadian marijuana companies are sort of having like a weird struggle right now, but I think in the long game, they're going to be good. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll buy some options that expire in April. Hopefully a few quarters will do them some good and, uh, yeah. we'll make some money. So I bought, uh, what was it called? Canopy growth. I was literally just going to say yeah. that to you. Because- so I, I bought, I bought some April expert canopy growth calls and I don't know what the, the strike prices were on them, but I ended up, so I put. Two hundred bucks into it, and the next day it's where this is at. Like three o'clock on a Tuesday or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Wednesday morning, uh, markets open. I'm at like eight hundred. <laughs> yeah. So then I ended up yeah. I ended up breaking even again, and then losing all of it, and then breaking even again, and then cashing out with like four hundred bucks or something. So mm-hmm. it ended
1: up working out, but yeah, that's my little. No, I think my, I think it's a cool game. Though. I definitely <laughs> I definitely like want to explore options more and be able to use them more effectively. I know that hedge funds use them to mitigate uh, risk, but um, I've been doing some options myself, just kind of uh, month-long, week-long options that I, you know, make predictions off of their earnings calls and uh, videos and just kind of crowdsourcing information of like where it's gonna go. But of course, you can't beat the market. Um, right now, I think one of the best things we can do right now is just—I know you do it—just put in index funds. Also, I think an in index fund bubble is gonna burst i don't know when or how or something but something's going on so uh, yeah so um my i mean obviously we're just two
0: jackasses talking about <laughs> jackasses right now uh so i have no credibility whatsoever uh i have two years of experience in and out trading like my my net is uh a couple hundred dollars on probably $15,000 in volume. So, you know, I'm not a loser, but I'm definitely not a winner. So just a disclaimer there. But here's my expert opinion. Uh, if you're like 20 now, it as long as the bubble doesn't burst when you're trying to retire if the bubble bursts when you're 30 and you just keep investing as if you keep a stable job and you're, you know, whatever, whatever bubble bursts, Mm -hmm. keep buying, keep putting into the fund, you know, you got another 30 years of recovery for, I mean, look at the markets from 2008 to now. Yeah. Amazing. You know, so 12 years, we're back on track and doing better than ever. Obviously, I mean, we're in a bubble, so better than ever isn't accurate,
1: but Mm -hmm. it's the reality. So you can just. Hop out in the next bubble. Yeah. Well, that that's kind of like why um, I got involved with entrepreneurship, because I didn't like the idea of going on this path for your entire life of saving, investing, saving, investing, and eventually, you know, getting enough money where you're comfortable. I kind of, it's almost selfish and almost stupid sometimes to think that, or I can, you know, go from regular to, you know, super wealthy to kind of go back to the idea of protecting myself from what's going to go on around me. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's just kind of full circle. You brought it back full circle for me. So you, is entrepreneurship something that you want to pursue or pre- bleh,
0: pursue full time sure. after you graduate? You don't want to go into a full time position working for someone else. You I think I with a side hustle, try to turn it into something. If stuff fails along the way, you're still stable. Like what kind of, what's your risk tolerance in terms of mm-hmm. how much you want to risk as part of the definition of
1: entrepreneurship yeah good question um i've listened to a lot of inspirational people talk who have accomplished a lot of really big things and i'm going to go into the workforce i'm going to get as i'm going to learn as much as i can as quickly as i can and once i find that one idea that keeps me up at night that i literally just lose sleep over all the time that's when i know i'm going to strike and pursue that idea right now it's just kind of you know, building knowledge, gaining wisdom right now until I'm ready for, you know, ready ready to strike. Okay. Do you have ideas that sort of churn your brain? You always kind of um, grind in the gears? Not right now. I do have a notebook full of ideas, and I did not bring it here, but there's so many there, and I'll, I'll share you, them with you. Are, are there
0: any that aren't good that you could
1: just kind of, like, throw out. spit out? Yeah. Um, I did
0: this in... Uh, Episode two of the podcast, I pulled out my mm-hmm. idea journal with
2: Danny McGrath and we did a little, uh, yeah, I'll take a look right here.
1: Yeah. I got a whole big folder of notes. Um, realtor AI I was talking about, oh, by the way, real estate, I think real estate's a great way of also supplementing your investing capabilities and becoming wealth, like More wealthy than anybody else is right now. I think it's a great way of just um, building wealth, building other assets, revenue streams. Um, Another thing I wrote was a book called "A Random Walk Down Wall Street." I think it's a great read for you, especially. Just kind of um, talks about how someone who completely randomizes their uh, stock portfolio you know, basically acquired the same results as someone who handpicked them.
0: <laughs> that's, that's cool.
1: Yeah. True story written. By yeah. A person true story. That. Another one was dirty money on that same, uh, kind of plane of thought. Um, did I get some dumb ideas in this
0: list? Anything that I ever think, um, I write down. That's not true, but probably more than most people. Um, doesn't matter if the idea is good or, or bad.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I try to just write things down. Cause sometimes you, in the process of writing things down, you'll either one or two things will happen if it's a bad idea. It's either sort of humbling and you're like, okay, like I should get off my high horse thinking my ideas are all that great all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or in the, like, while you're writing it down, you'd be like, wait a minute. Like this, you know, I thought this was kind of goofy, but, this could work this could work if i if I actually did this with it or or mm-hmm. targeted you know take a twist on it where you don't really get that space in your brain, so I think that's kind of cool, like I wrote down you know how girls are always taking pictures with brick walls on instagram mm-hmm. an app that locates brick walls not <laughs> locates them, but it's just a database of brick walls you can find them, take pictures cool instagram spots uh that exists so yeah, um just stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's different classes of ideas, ones that are completely <laughs> yeah. revolutionary and ones that are kind of niche, but improve upon something and, you know, Pillow whatever. fight arena. <laughs> <laughs> I realized in co-op that companies can spin out of literally anything. You know, my, my co-op company is a very niche market, but they do well, you know. What are you doing on co-op again? I am a and d electrical mechanical engineer for a biotech company Okay, that specializes in Orally inhaled and nasal spray products. So con- okay. testing drug delivery with them. Why do you need why you're electrical and mechanical? Uh, yes. What is electrical about electrical? Oral? Um it's designing machines and actuators that can test these products so that companies, other bigger companies can go through the FDA, prove, you know, this is effective, it's done this many trials and as this effectiveness makes sense okay so i'm I'm very much on the prototyping side of things yeah yeah
0: that's another thing like i was saying earlier is like it's cool to be on the r&d side of things Mm -hmm. you know looking at the next latest and greatest but at the same time sometimes you're in a role where what you're developing isn't the stuff that actually gets seen by the consumers Mm -hmm. it's just something that's sort of tangentially needed yeah, to develop something, which is rewarding in the fact that you're helping a huge amount in making something happen. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I, I, I want to try going for something where um,
1: i I can hold the final product in my hand, yeah. see it in a store. I mean, honestly, my co-op experience is pretty rewarding so far because I have put out products and made uh company a bunch of money so like i'm i'm pretty happy with like what i've done and i'm honestly very surprised but i think that's because i was placed in a job that allowed me to do that in a very niche market yeah no it's definitely really cool all
0: right kent we've been at this for kind of a while now um it's been a good conversation pretty mellow a little dark into the weeds a little bit um got a little glimpse of what you're working at what you're thinking about what's going on in that brain of yours and, uh, yeah, you should definitely come back onto the podcast for sure. another episode.
2: Yeah.
1: Thanks and, for having me.
0: Yeah. No problem. That was great. Word. All, All right. right. I'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. Thanks again, everyone for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating in your podcast app if you enjoyed. And as always, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at John Crafty pod to keep up with the latest. Goodbye.